Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic, found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Tone Bell is an actor, writer, and comedian from Atlanta who began his comedy career in Dallas before going Hollywood. Since winning the NBC Stand Up for Diversity competition in 2011, his co-starred or starred in multiple sitcoms, starting with Whitney on NBC, and including Bad Judge, Truth Be Told, Disjointed, and Fam. His film credits include Sylvie's Love, Little, Dog Days, and The Weeknd. Bell also has gotten to portray the legendary comedian Richard Pryor in the BET series American Soul, and recently co-starred in the award-winning movie The U.S. vs. Billie Holiday, which he jokes about on his second comedy album, One Night in Austin. Bell caught up with me over Zoom to talk about all of this and more. If you like this conversation, please consider subscribing to my substack called Piffany at piffany.substack.com so you can read bonus commentary on this episode as well as more comedy news and insights. Thanks in advance, and now that that's out of the way, let's get to it! So, Tone Bell, uh, congratulations on the new album, One Night in Austin. Um, Thank you, man. Yeah. What I especially like about it is that you didn't let people know yeah. that it was happening. So, it's it, like one of, my, one of my complaints, especially about like film specials, like I know you did one for Showtime in 2019, Can't Cancel yeah. This, but when, whenever you go to a, to a special taping, there's all this hoopla and the warm-up comic comes out and they... Say, all right, now you need to clap extra hard. And it it really feels more organic when you do it the way you did it. Yeah, it's like there's a, there's a, yeah, I mean, you get like some of that artificial love up front, you know what I mean? Unless you got like just all of your fans there, you know? So, like, I mean, it was, to me, it wasn't, it wasn't even like playing like that. It was, it was kind of like, do we tell them or not? And I was like, man, don't tell them. Like, let's just, let's let this be a slow burn. And then hopefully, you know, at a crescendo, and, and, and I think it did. I think about halfway through, people just really get on board. So I think it's a slow burn up front, just kind of like unloading some stuff off that I really want to get off my chest. And then by the time, you know, it gets to, to me, it's a little darker for me just because I don't get into um, conflict much with, with, the, with the crowd. And I, I think uh, it's a transition album for me. So I think it was kind of cool just to just to – to put it out there and then let them know at the end that you were in a part of uh, a, a recorded show versus this is just a night at the club, which I wouldn't, I wanted to feel like, Hey man, this is, this was just a night in Austin. <laughs> where, where a couple of relatives happened to be sitting up close. Man, that shit was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anybody else from that, that part of the world, except for my family. So a cousin of mine told me I had cousins coming, but I didn't know who they were. Uh, so like, that was like, that was cool. So like, I mean, yeah, it abruptly stopped. Cause I was like, wait, we, we family. And and they, and they luckily uh, luckily I was right. <laughs> now you you talk about one night in Austin being a transition album for you. Austin itself is in a lot of transition right now. So Man, what be, you know, recording your album there and getting to witness what's happening on the ground in Austin in terms of comedy. What's your sense of of what's going on there? Uh, I will say, had I had I known what Austin felt like now. I don't know if I would have, I don't know if I would have recorded it. <laughs> it was very wait, wait, different. 
Would you say that on the Joe Rogan experience? <laughs> know that uh, it's just it's just so much different than I remember because I mean I started in Dallas and I used to go to Austin all the time, and Austin is definitely one of my favorite cities to play. Even even you know the fourteen years I've been doing this, so like, it definitely was it definitely was different. It definitely was different. Um, uh, there was a lot of comics there, a lot more venues there now. Uh, the city feels different. No, I mean, not in a bad way, just different than what I was used to. So, um, <clears throat> and I mean, I can't even say, even though I love the venue I was at, I don't know if, I don't know if recording, I don't know if recording an album there was smart or not. I, I really don't know. I had a good time, but I mean, I, I don't know if it was, uh, I don't even know if it was conducive to audio. I mean, they're, they're, you know, we recorded two. I think I used 99% of the second show on Saturday, Friday, the city was just a little too live, you know what I mean? Like the, you know, there was a lot of a lot of ambulance and fire trucks, and uh, you know, I think at one point in the in the first recording on Friday, that you you know, they the, somebody opens a door and somebody goes, "What the fuck is happening?" in there? you know, so like it's, it's like it's all kind of stuff going on in Austin now. So it's, uh, but it, it was organic, you know. So like it's it's it feels how it's supposed to feel, I guess. But uh, yeah, man, the city's definitely transitioning to something that uh, I didn't expect. Is it? <laughs> I mean, my first experience with 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 Austin was South by Southwest in 2011, so 10 years ago. Yeah. And every time I went back, it seemed bigger and different. Yeah. Does it does it almost feel like it's South by Southwest all the time now? Or yeah, it feels, like, it feels like the appetizer. It feels like the appetizer to South by. That's what it feels like. It feels like it's the it's the uh, uh, the artichoke dip. It's the spinach and artichoke dip before 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 Austin happened. Before uh, South by Southwest happens. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, yeah, man, because, like, I don't know, 6th Street is just different now. 6th Street is, is uh, it's a little more chaotic and, and, and not in the uh, safest way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> pandemic, notwithstanding, or, or even particularly in a pandemic. It's, yeah, I mean, yeah. but, you know, so, there's so many, like, different pockets of Austin now. I mean, you know, just, like, as far as the, the, the social the social aspect of it. I mean, you know, the fifth and sixth street and seventh street were already popping. And then, you know, like 36 and then you got rainy street now, and then you got the domain and uh, where certain clubs have moved. So, I mean, like it's definitely spreading out a little more. So it, it doesn't feel as centralized as it used to be. Do you, do you yourself feel bigger and more chaotic in 2021 than you did in 2011 when you were just competing in the NBC stand up for diversity contest? I'm going to ask you to ask that again. <laughs> Yeah, let that sink in. <laughs> ten years ago, it's 2021. Yeah. Ten years ago in 2011, you competed in and won the NBC Stand Up for Diversity competition. So has this been a, a bigger, bolder, more chaotic decade for you personally? Yeah, man. Yeah. And I think that's what I think that's what I kind of wanted to get off with this album. Like I kind of wanted to just get this out of my system. I just, I had to I had some some stuff that I think I was getting ready for, you know, a new special. And then there were just some ideas that, you know, you do them so much, you want to burn them and you go like, all right, I'm ready to move on. But I think these are good and I don't want to just let them die in a notebook. So it was, it was uh, hopefully, especially if you're a fan of me, then, then the visual, you know, you can imagine the act outs and, and even though you can't see it, hopefully it right. comes to life for you. But yeah, man, I just think I'm becoming a different dude. So like, uh, um, where I was and, and kind of the lighthearted, I mean, I always prided myself on uh, no matter if you're 18 or 80, you can enjoy this. And I think now I'm just, I'm like, fuck it. I, I, I got, I got, 
I gotta rub, I gotta ruffle some feathers now. You know, I mean, just age wise, and and I mean, it it started getting to me where, like, when Can- Cancel This came out, people were telling me how much they liked it because it was it was clean, and I was like, this shit ain't clean. <laughs> <laughs> it's not clean. What are you talking about? They're like, you don't curse. I'm like, I say fuck like 97 times, and <laughs> so it was one of those. Where I go? Does this does this feel clean? So I just I just think transitioning for yeah, who I am and and growing up and uh, now it's time to talk about my personal life and and lack of relationships and why they didn't work out and and the fact that I don't have a family yet. So I mean, I kind of I scratch on that a little bit, scratch the surface on that, and can't cancel this. And one night in Austin, I get a little a little darker and a little more graphic, especially towards the end. And I think I'm just kind of I'm burying that guy of being safe mm-hmm. and uh you know i kind of wanted some some pushback i haven't had any yet but i mean i think i'm tiptoeing into to to having some people not agree with me i think that was i think that was a part of it for a while it was like how do i get everybody on board with this like how do i say this and get everybody on board with a true story so you can't say i'm wrong because this is my experience but now kind of having an opinion about some stuff versus just a perspective right you mentioned about like you're trying to grow up in relationships. How similar is that to the pitch that you made to CBS in 2019, the deal that you oh. had with Cedric? Yeah, that, that, uh, that, uh, <laughs> where are you getting this stuff from? Uh... <laughs> I'm the comics comic. <laughs> yeah. So life, I've life been, fo- kinda, I've been following you for a decade. Come on now. Life kind of, life kind of life happened quick. Uh, type of, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Life kind of happened. And it was, we were in a pitch meeting. I was, I was sitting with, um, um, said the entertainer and, and another director, Richie Keen and, and CBS was, you know, a fan and, and they wanted to do a deal. And right when we left a meeting, I just was like, some bitch told me she was pregnant. You know what I mean? It was, it was, it was uh, and they were like, go on. <laughs> <laughs> we're listening. Like no script. They were like sold. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was just, it, it, it uh, you know, and it kind of turns out that I don't, you know, I think it was, I was being trapped versus, but it didn't make me feel any different of like, Oh fuck. All right. If I, if I look at how old I am now and, and where my friends from college are. And I mean, we all have that. I think every comic has that. You, you know, you spend so much time career wise trying to figure this out. And so you like kind of let life pass you by, which is trying to get career right a lot of times. And then you look up and go, Oh fuck, man, I kind of do want this, not this way, but I do want this. So it's, it's, how do I talk about that now? And just how do I transition? Cause I don't think you can, <clears throat> I've always grown up with the idea of each special or each project stand up wise is growth in you. And so you, you people grow up with you. And if I don't start doing that, I'm a blindside some people without having a transition album. So I think that's kind of what, what what's happening now. So, but for that CBS pitch, I know that was just starting to get developed right before the pandemic. Is that still in the pipeline or? The no, I mean, I still own that. I still own that. So no, okay. I mean, and, and it's funny because it, the, it's really a, uh, I mean, it's almost like a reimagining of what the project I sold to FX the year they they said no, because apparently it could only be one black show on FX, so they picked Atlanta. <laughs> so, which I mean, I mean, who doesn't love Atlanta? You know what I mean? So, I mean, you, I mean, you got, I mean, Donald Glover is pretty talented. Yeah, I man, he's a, yeah, he's a, <laughs> I, he'll be all right, I think. 
But yeah, so it was, I mean, it's, and I mean, every project I've sold, I mean, I've done, you know, probably at least four projects now and I, all of them have been chipping away at, all right, now I'm two years old and I'm three years old and I'm, you know, and it's, and it's where I am now versus where I was five years ago. And I went back and read that, the one I wrote for FX and it was, it was like, oh man, this is kind of related to where I was, but just a more mature version of it. So yeah, I mean, the project is dead at CBS. Yeah. And okay. then of course they came back and they were like, Hey, we got another show for you. And then um, I decided not to go with that. And I took a, took a job at ABC instead, which uh, they kept us around during the, the entire pandemic, but, or the entire uh, lockdown, I guess. But I decided not to go, uh, not to put it on air. So, uh, I mean, at, at CBS, that's dead. Okay. So, you know, getting back to 2011, when you win that NBC contest, you get, as part of winning the contest, you get like a holding talent deal, right? Uh, and garbage. so... You know, now, now here you are, here you are a decade later, how has your perspective on the business changed as you've gotten to see like how it's tried to prop you up and then spit you out and prop you up and spit you out? And Yeah, man. I mean, like I, the last 10 years have been unbelievable and, you know, somewhat disappointing. I mean, it's, it's, it's even early on, I mean, like, yeah, I won that, won that gig in 2011, but I had been trying for that since 08, right? So, like, when I started, so it was like, I'm chipping away at the business of it. And I think in 2010 is when I, I get to the semifinals and the formula finally clicks in for me what they're looking for. Mm. And so then I go, all right, let me look at passwords. Let me break down what that is and who, who's done what and what they what they want to acquire, what jobs did they get afterwards? And I realized like nobody had really worked with NBC after winning the NBC competition. <laughs> and it was like, all right, what aren't they doing? And I tried to come in second. <laughs> I wanted to Clay Aiken that shit. I did not want to be Ruben. Right. I didn't want the contract, but I mean, it ended up working out. I mean, like I almost gave the money back at one point because I had another another deal offered. And I almost was like, I mean, because I like the money. The money wasn't great. And also, I wasn't a comic that was like struggling. I came from a corporate gig, so I had cash. I had like I didn't, I and I'm not patting myself on the back with this, but I never had to work in LA. Like I never had to be a valet or a waiter or go get a day job. Like I, 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 I came with the money stacked up, and I mean not a lot, but enough to like live on for probably a year and a half if I do it right, two years maybe if I do it right. So it was like I, I could put a hundred percent into trying to figure out the business. And so I mean, even when I got that deal with NBC, I, they called me in for a general meeting. I brought managers with me and they're like, Tom, we're not used to uh, people bringing managers. I'm like, I'm not used to meetings like this. <laughs> I was like, so they're going to talk for me so I don't say some dumb shit and lose it. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it definitely, it definitely was, I mean, I definitely grown up always with the business since in Hollywood. And um, I mean, some stuff I want to do and some stuff I don't, you know, it just, it just, um, I didn't want to, having a deal is, is, it can be great, but it also can be hindering. Because, I mean, as soon as, as soon as I got, I think I re-upped my deal with NBC. And then as soon as I got that, I got a call for uh, another show with another network. And I was like, fuck, I want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and you just, you, you know, you know, they own you at that point. <laughs> and you're like, but I really want to do Disjointed. Oh, I mean, it was like, it was two jobs in, in about five years that I was like, had I not been trapped, I could do that. And, and it just, it didn't go that way. So, okay. So now having been through like that gauntlet, does it change what you want out of your career? I mean, you made a stand-up album instead of trying to film a special, but then in terms of like focusing on stand-up versus sitcom development versus 
these film roles that you've gotten, what's the, what's the balance that you're looking for now? Um, uh, I guess putting it out and leaving it, leaving it out here for on my terms. I mean, that's what it is. It's, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's, I think we all know, man, stand-up is like a selfish team sport. Like we also, I think a lot of us support each other and, and you still want to grow without being left behind. But at the same time, it's like, what do you, what do you want the outcome to be? Right. So, I mean, my outcome has always been like, man, I want to, I want to put stuff out for my fans and my supporters and people that like what I do. But at the same time, it's like, I want to be able to go to the grocery store and not, I mean, like, it's funny, like in LA, nobody gives a fuck about who I am, but in New York, I, you know, I cross the street all the time. He's like, man, man, I love you from that thing. And people, it's dope, but I, but I don't, I don't get the, you know, pictures here and there and, and it's cool, but there's a, there, I think there's a line that I'm writing of how much fame I'm, I want. You know I mean? I think the best, the best thing about the last two movies is I look different enough to where people have to go, oh shit, that's Tone. Because <laughs> I've looked the same for 90% of my career. Then I get these two and, and then uh, I don't get recognized at all because I look completely different than, you know, the hair is different. I got them shaved mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. So people almost forget it's me. So it's like I get a pat on the back without having to be hindered with the, with the stop in the street all the time. So, I mean, I don't know. There, there's, a, there's a balance there that I like of, um, remember that moment when, when you fell in love with Don Cheadle, but you didn't really know Don Cheadle's name? Mm. we're just like I like that dude I mean whatever he's in I like watching him and that's kind of kind of where I'm floating now and I, I, I enjoy that it's that like dude, he does like you can look me up and go oh shit I didn't know he did comedy I didn't know he was in this movie and so it's kind of I think people would discover me in different uh on different platforms and I think it's kind of cool yeah I just had a vision of him selling hi-fi stereo equipment in boogie nights <laughs> <laughs> But then he's also, yeah, in, in like Avengers movies and crazy stuff. It's, yeah, um, man. I mean, Devil in the Blue Dress. And uh, when he played Earl the Go Man ago, I mean, like he just, he had some iconic stuff that you go back and go, fuck, man, that was Don Cheadle. I forgot he did that. And uh, he's, he's great in everything. He's funny. He's, he's uh, dramatic. He, I mean, you know, it's a couple of dudes out there that can just do it all. And, and you go, man, I, I respect that. And now, you know, now everybody knows his name, but I'm talking about like late 90s, early 2000s, where you really enjoyed his work. And he kind of was a little bit everywhere, but it was just before you kind of knew, everybody knew who he was. Right. Is that what you're going for with, with roles like in U.S. versus Billy Holiday? I and- think so, man. I, th- I think that's, I think those are the kind of the pieces that I like to, I think it's a surprise, you know, that I turn around and play a stripper on Black Lady Sketch Show. You know what I mean? It's, 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 you know, if I can have fun doing it, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, come across in the emails that would be cool to do, but I'm like, man, is that going to be fun? I mean, I call other people, I do call the people, I call the people I've worked with, you know, who have worked with, uh, you know, bigger stars. I'm like, yo, what do we like to work with this person? And somebody will go, oh, you definitely want to do that. Like, that's going to be fun. Do that. And I'll call Kathy and I'll ask her a question like, yo, I'm, what if I were to do this project? And she'll go, I know you. And I don't know if you would want to, I don't know if you would want to work with that person. That's a little different for you. Like you like to, you like to have fun, man. And, and, you know, you're a good dude. I don't think, I don't know if you want this stress of, of how this might be. And I'm like, all right, cool. I, I like to have fun with it, man. I mean, just a lot of times being where you're from, you go, man, I didn't think I was gonna get this far sometimes. So it's like, if I can keep enjoying it and have the lifestyle I want, I'm very low key, man. I don't, I don't you know, 
if I want to go somewhere, I go. But I don't, I'm not a flashy, flashy dude. I just I like to I like to have a good time and work with good people. I mean, it, I mean, and for like the last ten years, I've been able to do that. Yeah, it certainly looked like you were, you and everybody were enjoying yourselves in that little indie film, The Weekend. Oh man, that was that was a ball. Stella McGee <laughs> did her thing on that one. Yeah, that was that was a ball. I uh, I just stumbled upon that. I was in like one of those pandemic rabbit holes where I decided, okay, this week or this month, I'm going to try to watch every film that is about or mentions stand-up comedy. So that way I can see everything. Oh, yeah. And yeah, so yeah. I, I, I saw this on a list and I was like, okay. And it starts out with uh, Sashir sure. yeah. on stage doing stand-up. But then the rest of the movie is not about stand-up <laughs> comedy at all. <laughs> it's you and her and a couple other people like in a, in a nice little like bread and breakfast in the hills walking around. In a, in a persimmon field, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was thoroughly enjoyable. Yeah, man, it's a fun, it's a fun project, man. I, and uh, yeah, I like that, man. That was a fun one. Small cast, a bunch of people I respect, man. It, yeah, that was, it was fun. It was fun. How did you feel about how that portrayed stand-up comedy? Because it's just got Sashir kind of doing it, but then, but then it's not completely relevant to the rest of the plot. Man, I, I, I think it was like a self-expression thing. I mean, I think, I think that was like, she didn't have to be, her character didn't have to be super successful with it. It didn't have to be somebody who was like, just at an open mic trying some shit. I think it was just, I think it was a good uh, point at which to, to plug in stand up with someone of like, this is something a person does, doesn't have to be a career, doesn't have to be a lifestyle, doesn't have to be, they don't have to be uber successful. They don't have to be uh, a nobody, but she has a voice and she has a crowd. So it's, um, I mean, it's like, it's like the essence of somebody writing their journal. So I think, I think that's kind of what, what uh, stand up was for her in that. And I think that came off of um, Stella's, because for, for her, that for Stella, the director, this was kind of based on a true story of her life. So, Okay. Instead of a journal entry, it was let me pour it out on stage, and and people that are supposed to catch the jokes catch them. So I think I think I think it was good. When you see other films or shows that depict stand-up comedy, what do you hope that it gets right, and what do you usually see? Let me. I'll give you an example. Okay. Uh, there was a movie that. Uh, <clears throat> me be careful with this because I don't want to give too much away because I didn't I didn't book this movie they did come back to me but um there's a movie early this year or how do I say this without <laughs> shit on anybody uh there's a movie that there's a movie that was uh that uh, uh my agent sent to me earlier in the year um with a lot of stand-up in it and um I loved it I read it and I was like yo I'm doing this this is me I'm, I'm fighting for this one I was like I want to meet with the director. I want to talk to the producers. Like, what do I need to do? And then they set it up. And then um, it, based on a true story, so, you know, pretty biopic. And um, it was so much stand-up in the movie and, and the players that they had to set around our main character that I was like, oh, they got to get this shit right. So I was like, you know, I was going in for the lead who isn't, wasn't crazy well-known, but the people that were around them were. So I was like, oh, this is going to be fun to do. I can't wait to see who they, who they bring in because I'm, I'm bringing this home. Mm-hmm. And the very first scene was um, uh, this guy's first uh, television appearance on a late night show. And they wanted me to do that. Like, you know, they wanted the actors to do it, uh, you know, on a, on a tape, you know, I guess from home or wherever. And I was like, fuck that. I'm going to go do a road date and I'm going to shoot this shit in front of an audience. Mm-hmm. So the audition piece, the first scene, 
I do my hour and then I go change clothes and I give myself a box, like a nineties box. And then the 200 people that are there at the, at the show, I just tell them I'm about to audition in front of them. Mm-hmm. And then I shoot this audition tape doing my hour stand up and then coming back and doing a four and a half late night <laughs> set, his material from the 30 year old material That's in front of a crowd. Uh-huh. And then I'm like, ain't no way. Ain't no way that I don't book this bitch. I'm mean, like, who's doing this? Nobody's doing this, right? So then I so then we go to audition and they 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 fuck with it and they they call me. We readjust a couple times for the other two scenes. And then they they go, I think we're going a different direction. This is great. We'll call you back if anything. And I was like, the, all right, okay. I was like, maybe it's a look thing. Maybe I was like, performance-wise, I don't see it. But okay, I mean, you can't have everything. Maybe they have a, you know, people go a different direction all the time. And and I sat back and it, it kind of bothered me for a couple of days because I was like, it's very hard to teach an actor how to do stand-up. And I can understand it can be very hard for an stand a true stand up to take a, a role on like this to like to 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 be an actor this deep if all you've been doing is stand up and I know it's a lot of, I'm hear that you know you hear producing writers talk about it if, of what's the balance you need and it man months went by and I kept on hearing about this project and they couldn't find anybody because they're going out to actors to try to teach me how to do stand up I mean because in the script it's like fucking fifty percent stand up there's a lot of stage time in here and I'm like I don't know if you're gonna find anybody. Honestly, that's not me. It, it, it fucked me up because I was like, I got both of them. And I, and I mean, I reached out to the dude who it was about. Like, I dug deep and f- found him. Mm-hmm. And then I talked to him and he was like, yo, break a fucking leg. I want you to be me. You know what I mean? Like, it, and, and it blew my mind. So now, I was like, now I'm already petty and bitter. So I was like, when they called back, I was like, nah, I'm good. You got to find who the fuck else you want. <laughs> so I just... Oh. <laughs> Well, you did you did joke about that on the on the new album. You are petty. I'm I'm petty, man. Petty LaBelle. But I mean, I think Gene Smart did good in Hacks. I think. Oh yeah. <laughs> that was the part, right? <laughs> and they decided to go with an older white lady. I mean, every now and then, I mean, it does do well. I mean, like you can find it. It's just it's it's. I guess it's hard because you're like I I wanted it, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I mean, I know other actors and other friends of mine who. I mean, I know people that turned it down being like, I, I don't want to even want to fuck with this. I know people that were like, they're going after it too. And I go, man, good luck. I mean, if somebody I know gets it and they're good people, then I'm, I'm never going, I'm, I'm always going to be like, man, go kill that shit. But it was something that I, I felt like it was, it was, uh, I don't know how I didn't get it. But then, but then I saw the stuff and I'm like, maybe this, maybe this whole thing is not as organized or maybe they have a different idea. <laughs> I'm talking shit now. My bad. Maybe, maybe, these, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe the suits and show business don't know what they're doing. Maybe, you know, it's, I guess I was like, it's crazy to be working in a, uh, in a fake world uh, and nobody has an imagination. But you know what? <laughs> uh, well, you you have gotten to play uh, Richard Pryor, though. That man, that was that was I almost turned that down. I almost turned that down because I because I didn't know how deep they were going into Richard because it was it was I think I had like three or four weeks before we shot that mm-hmm. and I wasn't going to do it depending on how much of his life was being portrayed. Cause I was like, you got to give me time. If it did. I'm not that I don't want to take it on, but they're like, Oh no, no, he's just, he's hosting. It's, it's a, you're Richard at the studio. You, this is not the life of Richard. So I was, so it, it took me a minute to say yes to that. Cause I was like, I know some other people turn this shit down, but why? I was like, let me read the script first. And I was like, okay, this is not about his life. Cause it, I would want time to, 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 get in that place versus 
the likeness of Richard versus it, of who he is, the essence of him, who he is. Cause like this was, this was fun Richard at, at soul train. This wasn't home life digging deep on who he is. So I was, so, but I was like, man, you got to give me a couple months, man. Cause like, that's, that's no easy task. You want to get that right. Maybe that is, that's gotta be part of the reason why the, uh, the actual Richard Pryor biopic is like on again, off again, been like that way for years. You keep you keep thinking like it's gonna be Mike Evans, it's gonna be Marlon Wayans, it's gonna be, and I think this, both this will guy. kill it. I'm excited to see either one of them. You know what I mean? And and that's one of those you go, what are we waiting on? Everybody's getting older. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if we're ever gonna see it. I mean, I, I think both if, of them will kill it. And I don't know if we should. I feel like he already did JoJo Dancer. I, 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 <laughs> the problem is we can't appreciate stuff. We can't appreciate mm-hmm. the. We always, where we are now is we go, nope, he's not Richard. Yeah, he's not. We know that. <laughs> like, can we say that this motherfucker did a great job, though? That's why, right. you know what, because I got a problem with people. I, I, got, I got a real big problem with people doing documentaries now while they're still alive. Don't do a documentary about yourself when you're 42. <laughs> I don't like you executive producing your own fucking bio. <laughs> I, I can't stand it. You got to be dead. <laughs> you gotta be dead for me. We need to show how we remember you. Not that I can't stand that shit. I'm over it. I'm over somebody being like part one of my documentary. I'm 28. The fuck out of here. Well, at uh, least you didn't have to worry about about that with the uh, U.S. versus Billy Holiday, though. So, no, no. Um, she you know, on, on your album, you 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 have this big closing set piece where you joke about. Uh, your experience working on that film, or at least the beginning part of your experience working on that film <laughs> and Lee Daniels and, and all of that. And you joke about like getting like thrown into a, a sex scene. And uh, I'm curious to know how that experience, not joking about it, but how the actual experience of like filming that scene changed your perception on, on how the business treats women it was tough because, well, one, I'm glad uh, I wasn't aware what was coming up because then you, a lot of times you think too much about it. So it was, it was I mean, I, I think he's a brilliant, I think Lee is a brilliant director for that. Um, I mean, it was day one. You know, I've been in Montreal 36 hours maybe, maybe not even. And so it was, it was I thought it was, I had an argument with, a, with another comic's wife, uh, a friend of mine's wife, a few years ago, and she was talking about, how nude women have to get, especially a lot of premium cable and, and movies and stuff. And, and I agree with her hundred percent, but I go, man, but we all, we can all agree that women are sexier. Like, I mean, if somebody's going to be nude, nobody wants to see balls. We know balls exist. Nobody's like, man, I hope I see these balls. I mean, like nobody looks for balls. Men don't look for balls. Women don't like balls. Like, I don't even think if, if 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 it was getting hot and heavy, if if somebody if a couple is about to fuck and a dude didn't have balls, it a chick wouldn't even realize until afterwards. Like I think you you could kind of bypass balls unless you're like really hard on the ball, like you, you need ball, which is very rare. I think I think people just balls don't get a lot of credit. They're not attractive, but I, even women can go, man, that woman that, that that chick is beautiful. I think we just appreciate femininity and 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 how beautiful women are. So dudes don't have this opportunity a lot and when you see it i remember do you remember watching any given sunday back in like when i forget when that came out uh like late 90s early 2000s 
Mm-hmm. Any given Sunday came out as a locker room, seeing Cameron Diaz, and then if one of the football players turns to the side, and there's just like I saw it in theaters, it was just I mean a dick fell into the screen like this. <laughs> it was it was it was it was like man, that is a dick right there. I mean, so like I just don't think anybody's looking for it, and I do think it should be equal. So like even when it came up to to doing that scene, it was like, yeah, man. I, I they had been on set two months already, a month and a half, two months already. I I her and I had already talked, and she told me about some other scenes, and I was like, "Yo, man, take one for the team. Like, protect this woman and go. No, nah, she wears lingerie here. All right, I'll 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 drop. You know how often do women have to do this? And I like and, and I and me and my comics friend's wife, you know, and we get into it all the time. Which is like we just like to jab each other with jokes, but the point is. I think women are sexy and I think they, they exude something that we don't exude, but at the same time, it should be fair. But I think our preference is like, if I have to choose it looking at a screen, a 90 foot screen of someone naked, I think we can all appreciate the feminine frame more so than the masculine frame, but it's about time too. It's about time. So, I mean, I didn't have reservation about it. It was, it was just, oh man, we get to protect her this time and, and however far I have to go, is we'll do it. I didn't expect it because I definitely didn't read that part of the script. I definitely, I definitely skipped over. I definitely skipped over that description. I was like, "Oh man, yeah, it does says that, that it's. Oh man, yeah, all right, all right. What are the options?" And dude, that fashion show. I mean, that this fashion show that I described was right. uh, very true. As a man in stand-up comedy, it's not something you expect to ever have to deal with. Whereas yeah. if you're a woman, Especially it's in- not being funny. Right. Yeah. Usually if a man in stand-up comedy is asked to get naked, it's for laughs. Right. Whereas if you're a woman in stand-up comedy, like even if you're not booking a feature film, people are yelling at you to, to show skin. And it's like, you know, what's going to make her the most comfortable. It's like, I mean, I, we both thought she was going to be required nudity. And so (laughs) it it was like definitely a turn of events when it was like, I don't know, you know, you, and I was like, Hey man, fuck it. You've already done this in this picture. Women have to do this all the time. Where's the sock? You know what I mean? So it was, it was, uh, I mean, I feel like it was, it was my, it was, the responsibility fell on me and and I, and I, and I, the accountability, I, I I took it. I think it was necessary. I think I'm, I'm glad I did it. Right. But I guess the deeper question for me is like, how do we go about making, not just like the feature film industry, but like even just the comedy industry like more protective for women i feel like they've been kind of overlooked i think women comedy have a great voice now um not that they didn't maybe maybe it wasn't as respected as it should have been but um i think it comes with time i think it comes with you know what it is i think uh we only understand things a lot of times the way we project them and versus um like Uh, I'm gonna put this. She's gonna put this out there. I put this out there now. So the trick of date now. Mm-hmm. We um we had a great conversation the other night about the word prefer. Like what? Like if I prefer something, to me that means I like this a little more than I like something else, but doesn't mean I dislike something else. And then to her, prefer mean means want, mm. and prefer doesn't mean want. But also like all right. So now when I say this is my preference, you have to know what that means to me. And when she says prefer, I know that that's what she wants. So if we don't take into account what I think this means 
And if you only, if you only ingest it the way you want to hear it, we're always going to have problems. So like I heard a great uh, conversation between Lil Bootsy and Flame Monroe on the Breakfast Club briefs. I'm not going to go through that, but <laughs> just these two people from two different sides of a spectrum can agree, even though the words are different, you know, because like even the even the hosts of the Breakfast Club were kind of getting on Bootsy about his thoughts. But Flame goes, no, nah, man, I kind of agree with him. And they, I don't think they were expecting that. So I, I but also Flame took. This is probably what Bootsy's saying versus. I'm going to take this the way I want to take it and then and then deliver. This is not how I hear it. Two people just have to want to understand each other. So, I mean, I think I think that's what to me, especially with uh, comedy, when it comes to uh, female comedy now, you know, and com- comic comedy from women. And I think we're I think we are doing a better job of of. Uh, after the hand was raised and people are listening more, I think, I think we are doing a better job of, of uh, protecting the women around us in this industry. I, I think we are. I mean, at least the people I hang out with and the people that I know, I think I've had a lot of conversations and, and people are like, yo, let me know if you need something, you know, if you want to get this off your chest or, or if I need to take care of this. And I mean, all the women around me in comedy, I don't know. Maybe I just hang around good people, I guess. I don't know. I don't know these creeps. <laughs> You're you're not you're not in tight with the uh, the the crew at the comedy store that includes Crystalia and uh, I don't I don't I don't know the creeps of I don't know the creeps of comedy I don't I, I'm not uh, Are you were you you were in Whitney with Crystalia though so by, hey man this is like I got by a association set together hey <laughs> this is we have lunch at Crafty together don't mean we hang out on the weekend uh, but, okay so to end on a, on a lighter note you know at the beginning of our conversation you talked about. One Night in Austin being a transition album for you. So what are you, tra- what are you hoping to transition to? Uh, I want to I go more into dating and my dating life. And, and I mean, even with the, um, with the, you know, the mom bit and the mannequin hand and, you know, all those like a little harder to do because I know people get upset with it. Uh, or a couple things like, I just have questions now that I think you can't ask and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm willing to risk cancellation on getting this shit out if it don't work. You know what I mean? It's, it's, um, like I say bitch all the time, but it's not, I mean, I'm from Atlanta, man. It's, it's like, we say bitch is a pronoun a lot. It's like, it's not, it's, I'm going to keep saying it. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I, you have to, what, when I would say hoe in the nineties, it wasn't to hurt anybody. It's, it's, but it's like a, why can't I say ho now? I'm going back to saying ho. I just don't, it's, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done trying to figure out like, you know, it's, it's a, uh, I got this, I was, I'm doing this show this evening on, um, on a, on a, a streaming show um, for a friend. And she was asking about my, about two years ago, I was doing this bit and I was like, my levels of, I don't talk sex a lot on stage. I, I rarely have like this. The, the last bit on the, the the new album is probably the most graphic I've ever gotten when it comes to sex. And now, like as long as I feel like I can make it tasteful, my parents won't be embarrassed, then I'm gonna do it. But but I have like a list of where I think sex lies, which is dirty, nasty, gross, filthy, disgusting, and everybody falls in one. But you can't like if I I, I sit between gross and filthy, right? Mm-hmm. disgusting is like it's, it's a lot of fluids involved in disgusting 
<laughs> and a dirty, everybody starts with dirty when it like comes to fingering, right? So everybody starts off in high school with, with dirty. Mm-hmm. But wherever you find your partner, whatever you are, wherever you find your partner, you can't be jumping levels, right? You got to graduate to different levels. And so I was telling her about this, I'm, and I'm going to talk about this on the show, but it's like, there's a, there's a, I used to be able to, to say, if, if you're disgusted in high school, use a hoe. Now it's like exploring sexually. And I'm like, no, nah, man, that bitch was a hoe. <laughs> and I'm not talking now, I'm talking about a 97. Why can't I say what I used to say in 97? Why can't I say that? I'm sorry. I apologize, but it's like, that's how I grew up, right? I mean, it's... it's People weren't saying floozy. Yeah. In, in Atlanta. <laughs> harlot. And I mean, as long as I'm not pointing the finger, but also if I have questions, like I have... People don't let you ask questions anymore and, and people expect you to know everything. And this go, we keep talking about this, you know, you, everything you fucking say is, is... I like asking questions and I like getting shit wrong. And I, sh- I should be able to. And And we just know that. I mean, that's where like the... I mean, literally that moment happened with fucking mannequin hand. That shit fucking happened with my old coworker. And I'm like, this bitch, Jesus Christ. And it, and it, it, was, it was like, I've already set myself up to have to do this. Now I got to do it. Now I got to update this bit, which is, I think, okay, but I, I'm okay getting shit wrong. And I'm okay. Also, tell me about it. Tell me why I was wrong. So then I won't be wrong anymore. But I don't want to try to keep it safe. Like I, I'm, I've remember that moment in Pulp Fiction where he opens a briefcase. We all want to know what's in the briefcase, but it's just mm. glowing. It's like a lot of times I feel like we, we, like people want to look around, and you kind of you're like, I'm opening this, and I and I see it, but I can't let you have it because if if I show you exactly what this is, you might be upset with me. I want I want to turn the briefcase around. I just want to show you now. And a lot of comics are doing that. I mean, it's a lot of it's a lot of people who just say fuck it, and um, I think. I think I'm on that train. Well, uh, as someone who used to have a grandfather who died of lung cancer, but before that had a tracheotomy, I'm okay with you using the word kazoo. <laughs> <laughs> I had, I had not, when I was growing up, I didn't think of, of it as kazoo, but I'm okay, like, I was strangely okay. I'm, I'm okay with kazoo. I was doing that bit for like six months without kazoo. One of my managers said it in a, such in a great a word. And it, Man, and it, it, it it gives you the whole picture. He said kazoo, and I was like, fuck, that needs, yeah, that's the, that's the word. That's it. That's it. And I was like, you know, can, I, can I take that for the bit? Because, like, it needs something. Even when I'm the last special, when I used Dick Wynn, it was like, that wasn't my term. Like, Marvel Michaels was doing that bit for a while. He's not that bit, but using that term. And I knew I couldn't. That was like his. He coined it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, he, and he, kinda, he gave up stand-up for a while. And I was like, yo, can I use that? I was like, this will, this will fit. And he was like, dude, use it. You can have the term. And so I use it because I was like, oh, this polishes off this bit well. But I mean, that's, yeah, man. It, yeah, I think kazoo fits, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's got that hard cuss sound. It's, yeah, it, it fits. Well, Tone, thank you so much for, for sitting down with me. And uh, yeah, keep asking questions. Keep transitioning. It's all good. Yeah, man. It's, yeah, man. It's, it's, if, if you don't talk and, and evoke a feeling out of somebody, even if it's, fear or anger then did you have a conversation you know what i mean like let's 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 feel something and then break it down let's not everything is not equation answer like let's do some long division first and see how we got here and then we'll get to it but like if everything has to be just a, a 
a flat answer, man. We're not, we're not growing. Well, we had a real conversation. I, I still have more questions, but I'll save them for next time. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was post-produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music was by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. If you enjoyed listening, please check out my substack called Piffany at piffany.substack.com for transcripts, bonus commentary, and expert analysis about comedy, show business, and more. I'm your host, Sean L. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Last